We are concluding our Free Indeed series, and this is the message that I've been waiting for and that you've probably been waiting for and that your wife has been waiting for for you to get free. And so here it is. I call the message today, Set Free. And I want you to know that I'm going to lead everyone, if you'll let me, through a prayer of deliverance at the end of this message. And we're going to start down a road of freedom. Freedom is a journey. Uh, I did not cover material from our uh, freedom ministry in Kairos in the Free Indeed series because I'm trying to get you to go to freedom ministry and Kairos. And I wanted to focus, I felt the Lord told me to focus on the deliverance part. Remember, freedom involves deliverance and discipleship. Pastor Jack Hayford's quote is, you can't disciple a demon and you can't cast out the flesh. So it's both deliverance and discipleship. I really felt led to focus on deliverance because many people never get delivered from a bondage because they don't think they can be in bondage. But we talked about, remember at the very first of the series, we talked about if you leave your door or window open in your home and a thief comes in, he doesn't own your house, but he's in your house. We talked about that if you took drugs or alcohol into your body, um, even if you're a Christian, you're now under the influence of that drug or, the, or, or that alcohol, even though you're a Christian. In the same way, if a person begins, we use this illustration, begins looking at pornography, you're opening yourself up to a spirit of lust that will come in and you'll be under the influence of that spirit and you need, that spirit needs to be cast out of you, not in a spooky way, it's not spooky, but in an authoritative way in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you need to train your mind to think differently. So we're going to go through and talk about being set free, all right? So I want to give you four keys to being set free. Here's number one, recognize that you need help. Recognize that you need help. Now we're going to springboard from the story of the prodigal son, but I really don't have time to read the whole thing. So you could go back and read the, the whole uh, story. You could actually take the whole chapter of Luke 15 and read it if you want to. But verse 17, about, talking about the prodigal son, says, but when he came to himself. Another way to say that is when he came to his senses. Another way to say that is when he recognized that he needed help. Many believers are living in the pig pen. Remember, this was a son. This is a son. He's a son. And he's living in the pig pen, and he comes to himself. Now, I've said this before, but I've got to continue to say this. The only people that I've ever seen, 30-something years of ministry now, that can't get free are the people that won't admit they have a problem. And I want you to think about that, because if you'll simply admit it, then the Lord can set you free. I don't want to spend much time on that because hopefully by now you have recognized that you need help, and I need help, all of us do. So here's number two. Repent to God and others. These next three are kind of really the, once you recognize you need a problem, here's what you need to do. Repent to God and others. Verse 18 says, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and, I want you to notice the and, and before you. Now, I want to bring out some things about repentance that need to be understood. First of all, repentance and confession are not the same thing. Repentance includes confession. He confessed his sin. He confessed it. 
but it didn't, but you can confess your sins and not repent. In other words, you can say, yes, I did it, and I'm sorry, but not really repent. Now, we need to understand what the word repentance means because there's a lot of wrong teaching today on repentance. The word repentance comes from two Greek words. It's one Greek word, but it's made up of two. The Greek word is metanoia, metanoia. Meta means change. We, we get words such as metamorphosis from meta, the Greek word. It means change. Noia means mind. Mind. It refers to the mind. Repentance means that you change your mind. Now, listen to me careful. This is something that we teach in our freedom ministry classes. It's not just that you change your mind about your sin. It's that you change your mind about yourself. You change your mind about who God created you to be. You also change your mind about God in that God is not this person up there just waiting for you to mess up so he can bop you on the head. So you have to change the way you think. This is a process that Christians continue. You continue to repent from the day you get saved. Uh, Another way to say it is this. Romans 12 said this way, renew your mind. Change your mind. Now, there's a Uh, some teaching today that is really good on grace, but some people are taking it too far. And they're taking it so far as to saying Christians uh, don't ever have to repent again. Once you get saved, you never repent again. The reason that they they feel that way is they think the word repent. I've even heard pastors say this, and I've even seen some biblical dictionaries uh, define it this way, but I think it's a wrong definition. It includes this, but it's not a full definition. I've had some people say, when you say, what does repent mean? Here's what they say. It means turn from your sin. That's not what the word means. It includes that if you're in sin. If you're in sin and you change your mind about your sin, then you would turn from your sin. Okay? But what if you're not in sin and you change your mind? You you see what I'm saying? You, you, You need to continue to change your mind. If Christians don't need to repent then Jesus used the wrong word when he spoke to five of the seven churches in Asia Minor. Because five out of seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus said, repent. Matter of fact, this word in the Hebrew means the same, and it's, and it, it's used about God. But there's no translator that will, will do it, repent. Every time else they put it, they, they translate it, repent. But when it came to when it said, God repented, They changed the P to an L, and they made it relented. God relented from the harm he was going to do. Because they thought, well, God can't turn from his sin. Doesn't mean turn from your sin. Means change your mind. God changed his mind. Now, let me explain. He never changes his character, but he changed his mind. We need to change our mind about our sin. So we need to repent to God, but here's the key, and to others. He went to his father and repented to his father. Let me show you a scripture how important it is to be right with someone else so you can be right with God. Matthew 5 verses 23 and 24. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. In other words, here's what God says. If you want to get right with me, go get right with your brother first. First, then come get right with me. Uh, James 5, 16, confess your trespasses. One version says faults. 
One version says sins. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Uh, this, the definition of this word healed means to free from errors and sins. Okay, here's what this just said. Confess your sins to one another that you may be free. Now, now hear me. Think about an area of your life that's been a bondage for you. How many times have you confessed it to God and said, I'll never do it again, but you still do it again? Okay. Repentance means that we confess it and repent not only to God, but to those around us. See, he goes to his father. The prodigal son said, I've sinned against God. And he didn't say against you. He said, before you. You saw me do this. So he confesses it to his father. We need to confess sin. Listen, you don't have to stand up here with the microphone and confess it. But you need to confess sin if you're married to your spouse, uh, to those you're in relationship with, those you're accountable to, to spiritual authority. Here's what I'm saying. Bring it out in the light. Satan works in darkness. And here's what we do. We fall to this sin. We say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I confess it to you. I ask you to forgive me. And we go right on and we keep it in the dark. If you really want to get free, bring it out in the light. Put as much light on it as possible. So repent to God and others. Uh, Here's number three. Renounce the lies of Satan. Renounce the lies of Satan. Let me just make a very clear statement. Every bondage begins with a lie. Every bondage, whatever bondage you have, there's a lie that you've believed. And you have to renew your mind, change the way you think, so you can get out of that lie. Look down at verse uh, 25, Luke 15, verse 25. Uh, This is talking about the older son. Now, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him, in other words, your father has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry. The older brother was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you. Now, I want you to watch the um, absolutes that he uses. Absolutes like always and never, okay? I... Lo, these many years I've been serving you, I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Okay, well, let me just show you. There's two lies right there. Okay, he said, I never transgressed your commandment at any time. Okay, I know that's a lie because he was not Jesus. Uh, anybody here have children? Do anyone here have a perfect child? No. They transgress. Here's what he said. I never disobeyed you. Never, I've never done one thing wrong. That's a lie. He believes a lie. The other lie, I can show you that it's a lie. He said, you never even gave me a goat. Never even gave me one goat. Okay. At the first of the story, the younger son goes and says, give me my inheritance. Let me show you this, verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Now watch this carefully. So he divided to them his livelihood. 
Do, do all of you see the word them? So he divided to them his livelihood. And because the firstborn, the older, according to the Bible, he actually got twice as much. So the younger son got a third, and the older son got two-thirds, but he said, you never even gave me one goat. I think the father's thinking, "Uh, I gave you two-thirds of the company. Never gave you one goat. I gave you two-thirds. Here, look at this too. Verse 31, he said to him, son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. You are always with me. And all that I have is yours. Okay, I want you to think about something. That statement, you know, um, I consider myself a grammarian. And, you know, grammar jumps out at me. Just jumps. I try not to let it, but it does. It's going to no matter what. No matter what. It's going to. Uh, Debbie will ask me to read something. And she'll say to me, I'm not asking you to correct the grammar. I'm just asking you to look at the content. I say to Sugar, I can't see the content until I correct the grammar, okay? So just let me do it my way, all right? So, okay, this statement is odd grammatically. It's absolutely true scripturally, obviously, but it's odd. It begins in second person, ends in first person. He says, you are always with me, and all that I have is, all, all that I have, he now is the subject, is yours. I would have thought it would have said, I am always with you, and all that I have is yours. Okay, see, we know God's always with us. God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, and I'm with you to the end of the age always. He makes this statement, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. Here's what that says to me. As long as we're with him, all that he has is ours. That's what he's trying to say. Son, you were here with me the whole time. You had everything. Okay. The older son never left home, but he still went into bondage. He was in bondage to bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, hate, jealousy, envy. His younger son comes home. He's not going in the party. Now, now hear me. When we tell the story of the prodigal son, there are many, many people in church that think, that's not me. Well, there are two sons in this story. Now, I just want you to just be honest. Do you have a tendency to be the older son? Do you have a tendency to think, well, I've never left home like those other people have. I've never transgressed the father. I mean, I've made mistakes, but I've never. And then, Lord, look how you're blessing them. You haven't blessed me like that. Jealousy, envy, strife, bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment. I'm going to tell you something maybe you've never thought of. The older son was just as in bondage as the younger son. Just as in bondage. Now, this is a lie that is all through uh, society. Let me say it that way. Um, Let me use some example, and I asked their permission if I could use this example. Debbie has a sister named Mary. Uh, That's her. It's only the two of them. Uh, They... uh, Mary lives here now. Mary and her husband, Lloyd, own uh, some insurance companies. And they lived in West Texas for years. They still have the insurance company in West Texas. They have another one in another part of Texas, and they have one here now. But they moved here a couple of years ago. And let me tell you why they moved. Because they saw the benefit of being a part of a church where they could really grow in their relationship with the Lord. And so they moved here and started another company and run their other companies 
uh, from here so they could be a part of Gateway Church. Okay. In the process of talking one day, now you're going to relate to this. Debbie and Mary are talking, and in the process of talking, they, they have great parents, love the Lord. Uh, mother lives here. Debbie and Mary's mom lives here. Father's gone on to be with the Lord, but they grew up in a great Christian home. But in the process of talking one day, they realized that at some time in their life, each of them believed that the other was the favorite. Each of them believed the other one's the favorite. Anyone relate to this? Okay, can I just tell you what that is? That's a lie. It's a lie of Satan. Let me just, let me go on with some lies. Have you ever heard this? People say things like this. Well, I was the oldest child, so I always have to be in control. Why don't you just say it straight out so I have a demon of control? <laughs> well, uh, I, I'm the youngest child, so I always have to have my way. Why don't you say it? I have a demon of selfishness. Well, I'm the middle child, so uh, I'm, I'm the neglected one. Or I, I was an only child, so I, I grew up in a large family, so listen to me. You've been adopted into a new family. A new family. It doesn't matter what family you grew up in, you're in a new family now. I'll tell you who you are. You're a child of God. You're born again by the Word of God, kept by the power of God, sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption, sealed in heavenly places. He's put all things under your feet. He's given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You're more than a conqueror through Him. You always triumph in Him, and greater is He in you than he that's in the world. That's who you are. That's who you are now. So if you're going to get free, you're going to have to renounce the lies of Satan. And here's number four, receive the gifts of the Father. Receive the gifts of the Father. Obviously, this could be, this one point could be a series. Uh, Verse 22 says, the Father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet. So what do they represent? Quickly, uh, the robe represents the robe of righteousness. Isaiah 61.10, he's covered me with the robe of righteousness. If you're going to get free, you're going to have to receive forgiveness and the righteousness of God. Your righteousness comes from God and what Jesus did on the cross, not from your own works. Secondly, the ring of authority. The ring represents authority. When um, uh, Pharaoh put Joseph in command, he gave him his ring. And he said, no one can go anywhere or do anything without your authority. You're the second highest of the land. And he gave him his ring to prove it. Jesus gave us authority, Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. That's demonic spirits. It represents demonic spirits, and you can go back and read the context to see. And over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. We have to receive God's authority over the enemy. These are gifts from the Father. The third, the shoes of power. The shoes of power. And the, the gift of power from the Lord is not something, it's someone. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Okay, let me tell you my deliverance story, and then I'll pray with you, all right? Um, I was working with James Robinson. It's kind of uh, fantastic to me that James will be here next weekend. I was working with James Robinson. I was a young evangelist, and I was in tremendous bondage, saved, but in bondage. We didn't know anything about demonic spirits or deliverance. 
and a carpet cleaner named Milton Green began to share with James, and James then began to share with me. And then James invited 10 couples to come to his office and for Milton to teach us God's Word in this area for three days. We would start about eight or nine in the morning and go to about nine at night, just, just in the Bible, three days. Uh, one of the wives couldn't show up, so there were 19 people there. He invited 10 couples. Okay, Debbie and I were one of the 10 couples that James and Betty invited, 30, uh, 1981, no, yeah, 81 or 82, so 31 years ago or so. So we just went through the Word, went through the Word, went through the Word. And then on Friday night, it was a Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, um, Milton was going to pray a prayer of deliverance over us like I'm about to pray over you. But I had already scheduled months and months before to, that I was speaking at a church that night. I should have canceled it, but I didn't. I went on and spoke. <clears throat> uh, before that Friday night where he would pray over us, there was a little book that James gave out called Blockages to Communication. And... Um, in that book, now let me just say this, by the way, free, this Free Indeed series, we're turning into a book. And I've already talked with uh, the major Christian publisher. They've already talked to me about it, Thomas Nelson. And so we're going to put this in a book, and I'll put some form of a, a guide to help us repent. That's what this was. You would read through it, and it would say, is there any person that when you think of that person, uh, bad feelings come to your mind? It was trying to see if there was anything between you and someone else so you could get that clear. Uh, there were all sorts of things, questions in there to help you repent fully before God. One of the questions, I'll never forget this one because I almost answered it before I read what was in parentheses. It said, are you a liar? And then in parentheses it said, be honest. Because <clears throat> you think, no, oh, I have to be honest? <laughs> yes. <sighs> okay. All right. So um, they said, uh, go through this book before we pray over you. So Debbie and I went to separate ends of the house. She took like three hours and went through the book and really repented before the Lord. I took about 10 minutes, you know, because I thought I was smart, sped read the book and put it down, but I didn't repent. So Friday night, Milton prays this prayer of deliverance over these other people that are there, about 18 now because I was not there. And Debbie gets free because <clears throat> she repented. I went to preach at this church, but as I'm going, I start getting sick, physically sick. As I'm driving home, it was in Oklahoma, I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. The next morning, all through the night, I was sick. That next morning, as soon as I could, I called Milton. I said, Milton, you've got to pray over me. I'm, I'm so sick, I think I'm going to have to go to the emergency room. And because you didn't pray over me last night, I think it's spiritual. And he, he was like, you think? You know, so, but he said, <clears throat> he said, well, come over to the house and I'll pray for you. I said, I can't, I can't get out of bed. I can't come in the house. He said, hold on just a minute. And right there on the phone, he said, I bind every demonic spirit. He just took authority right there. It's coming against Robert right now in Jesus' name. And he just started taking authority over the enemy. I started feeling better. When, when he finished, I felt really good. And I saw, I actually said to him, now this is how demons work. I saw, actually, I said, hey, you don't need to pray over me. I'm okay. He said, oh, no, come over, <laughs> you know. They're not gone. I just bound them, all right? So just come on over. See, they wanted to stay. So I go over. Now, let me remind you, I was in ministry. I just want to remind you, people need to get free. You need to get free, okay? So I go over to Milt's house. He puts a chair. He sets a chair in his office. He starts walking around this chair, quoting the Bible. 
just quoting the Bible, just quoting it. I, I think it was an hour, but I don't know if it was 15 or 20 minutes, but it was a long time, you know. And he's taking authority over the enemy. And then he grabs a chair and he pulls it up and he sits down in front of me and he pats me on the knee like this. And he says, the only person that I've ever met that had more demons than you was James Robison. I didn't know whether to be proud. I thought, I'm number two. I forgot, you know, that's pretty good, you know, so. But then he looked me right now and he said, uh, but they're not leaving. Just like that. Here's, here's my hope to get free. Here's the, the, I put my hope in this person that had been praying over all these well-known ministers and they were getting free. And he said, they're not leaving. And I said, well, what do you mean they're not leaving? He said, because you haven't repented. And he said, did you go through that little book? And I said, yeah, I read that little booklet. He said, I didn't ask you if you read it. Did you go through it? He said, did you repent on every one of those little questions? I said, no. He said, you go home, you get that little book, and you repent. You repent before God. You get right with God in these areas. So I said, and then you want me to come back and and you'll pray for me? He said, no. He said, I've already taken authority over them. When you repent, they'll leave. I've already told them to go. You just need to repent. So I went home and I got in the bedroom by myself. I still sit just sick as I could be. I mean, throwing up sick. And I got that book and I started going through it. There were seven people that I had to call. All seven of them were at home. It, It was shocking to me. Long distance calls. I had to call people and say, I need to ask you to forgive me. Will you forgive me? And they all forgave me. There were also seven things that God told me to confess to Debbie. When I got with that, and many other things I had to, you know, get right with God in. But seven people and seven things to confess to Debbie. When I got with Debbie, I confessed six. I did not want to confess the seven. I've told you before that I was an immoral person. I was sexually immoral in the early part of our marriage. That was what I did not want to confess. So I confessed six. I didn't want to confess that. Now, here's what I want you to know. As I confessed, I got healed. I'm talking about physically healed. They were leaving my body as I confessed. But this is a little humorous here in the midst of a very serious subject, I know. Because I did not confess that last thing to her, I still had this little cough. And she would say to me, are you sure there's nothing else you need to confess? (laughs) And literally, she'll tell you this, this is what I do. I'd go, no, why? Just like that. And I mean, two or three days go by. And I'd just be sitting there in the car driving and doing my best. (coughs) Just like that, she'd say, is there anything? (laughs) No. (laughs) No. And a week later, on a Saturday, this was another, a week later, I was, we were in a hotel. I was about to preach, start preaching a revival. Remember, I used to preach revivals at churches on that Sunday morning. It was dark. We turned the light off. We were just lying there about to go to sleep. And I just started praying. Now, not out loud, just, you know, in my mind, my spirit to the Lord, my heart. 
And so I just said, Lord, I, I pray that you'll bless me tomorrow when I preach. And the Lord said, nope. <laughs> and I said, what? He said, nope. And then I'll, I'll never forget this. He said, I'm never going to bless you again when you preach if you don't confess that to Debbie. And then listen, listen to what he said. He said, if you're not right with her, you're not right with me. I'll never, ever forget those words. If you're not right with her, you're not right with me. So I said, it's just, again, not out loud. I said, okay, okay, Lord, if you really want me. You ever do that? You know, let there be a falling star. You know, I mean, we do all sorts. After he told us 10 times, if you really want me to, then let a red car come, you know. It's, a, it's just the stupidest things that we do. I said, Lord, if you really want me to do this, then let her ask me one more time. Now, it's, it's dark. This is all internally my thoughts. Right then, she can tell you this. She turned and said to me, are you sure that there is nothing else you need to confess to me? And I had to tell her the worst news that a wife could ever hear. But God's done a miracle in our marriage and set me free. Healed her heart. He can do that too because it broke her heart. But he set me free from an addiction that I had since I was a very young boy. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. In just a moment, I'm going to pray over you. I'd like to pray over everybody in the church. And here's the reason I say that. If there's any bondage in your life, wouldn't you want to get free? Sure you would. So, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. As you stand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And then I'm going to take authority over Satan. And I want you simply to, if you want to, you could put your hands in front of you, just palms up, just expressing. You don't have to, though. But I do want you to repent right now and tell the Lord, Lord, I repent. Let the Lord bring sins to your mind that are bondages in your life that you maybe have had for years. Maybe he's going to bring people to your mind that you need to repent to, that you need to ask for forgiveness whether it's even a big thing or a small thing, it doesn't matter. But I want you right now to repent. Just take a moment. Just say, Lord, I I repent. And I want you also to, to be willing to share with someone else, to, to bring it out in the light so that we can help. I want you to be willing to follow up, to go to freedom ministry classes, to go to equipping classes, to go to Kairos things, to, to meet with someone if you need to. I want you to follow up. The main thing is that you repent. I got free because I repented. Debbie got free because she repented. She did it before I did, but she got free because of that. So I want to pray for you, the whole church, at every campus. So I'd like to ask you, if you want to get free, to stand up. Just stand up right where you are. And I really want to pray over everyone. I don't want you to feel embarrassed if you don't want to stand. Maybe you're a guest or something. But I'd really like to pray over every person here. 
just take authority over the enemy and tell him to go. So I'd like to ask you to just pray after me out loud, all right? I just want you to say, Father, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. And I ask you to release me from every bondage in Jesus' name. Now I want to pray for you. Lord, right now, by the authority you've given me, I take authority over Satan and I address every demonic spirit that's held my brothers and sisters in bondage in Jesus' name. And I command you to go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And it's not the authority of my voice. It is the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters are covered by the blood of the Lamb. They overcome by the word of their testimony. They're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed that lives and abides forever. And the angels here are mighty in strength. Watch over your word to perform it. And the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's sweeter than honey and purer than gold. And his name is the word of God. And by the word of God and by the blood of the Lamb, we are set free today. I take authority over every spirit of bitterness or unforgiveness or resentment or hate or malice or envy or jealousy. And I command you to go right now in Jesus' name. I rebuke every spirit of insecurity or inferiority, fear, rejection, self-hate, self-pity, self-destruction in Jesus' name. Suicide, I command you to go right now in Jesus' name. Every spirit of anger or rage or murder or violence or lawlessness, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of sexual immorality, sexual impurity, adultery, fornication, lust, pornography, all forms of sexual impurity, I command you to go right now in Jesus' name. Every spirit of pride or lying or Jezebel spirit, rebellion, deception, manipulation, control, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of criticism, judgmentalism, arrogance, prejudice, or racism, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of greed, materialism, selfishness, covetousness, selfish ambition, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Depression, anxiety, worry, suicide, I command you to go. Addiction, alcoholism, drunkenness, drugs, gluttony, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of legalism or religious pride or heresy or false doctrine, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of stealing or slothfulness, laziness, unbelief, rebellion to authority, go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of guilt, shame, embarrassment, humiliation, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of sickness or disease, infirmities, chronic health issues, I say go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of witchcraft or the occult or blasphemy, I command you to go in Jesus' name. I break every word, curse, and spell spoken against my brothers in Jesus' name. Every generational curse, I command you to go right now in Jesus' name. Every demonic spirit that has held my brothers and sisters in bondage in every campus, listening to my voice on the internet right now, on television, I command you to go right now in Jesus' name. Right now in Jesus' name. Now I'm going to pray for you, but before I do, I just want you to just look at me for a minute. Just look at me. Everyone look at me. Let me tell you what the enemy does when you're taking authority over. I'm going to give you a visual example, and I hope you never forget this. I've been doing this over 30 years. This is what the demons do, okay? I'm telling them to go. You have to understand, they have to go in Jesus' name. They have no, they have no choice. They have to go. But here's what they do while they're leaving. Watch this. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. This isn't going to work. They prayed over you before. I'm, this is not going to work. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. 
I'm not gone. But they're gone in Jesus' name. They're gone in Jesus' name. Because it's not my authority. It's the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, every place that the enemy has left, just turn your hands like this. And I want you to say after me, Lord, I receive the Holy Spirit. And will you fill me with the Holy Spirit? Every place that evil spirits have left, will you fill me with the Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name, Lord, I ask you to fill my brothers and sisters with the Holy Spirit right now from the top of their heads to the bottom of their feet. We receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's thank the Lord and let's worship God.
I was 19 years old when I gave my life to the Lord and everything changed. I didn't have any desire to go back to that old life. I wanted to walk with the Lord and learn more about Him. And some people helped me to learn the Bible and to learn how to pray and to learn about my new life in Christ. And that's what we want to do for you. I am so excited that you've given your life to the Lord. He's forgiven all of your sins and you're on your way to heaven. But we need to learn some things now about the Bible, about prayer, about some basics of the Christian life so that you can be victorious and live for the Lord like I know you want to. So we've designed a class called Fresh Start. And I want to encourage you to sign up for this class because we want to help you grow in your walk with the Lord now. I love you and I am so proud of you.